Alright, so we're going to look at Revelations 2 today. We've been doing a series on Revelations. And last, last week, uh, Sheridan preached about uh, Ephesus, the letter to the church in Ephesus. And today I'm going to preach about the letter to this church in Smyrna. Now, let me just say something, just to preface this here. Um, two things. One, uh, I don't always like to do this. You know, when somebody tells you what to preach about, it's a little scary. Because I've been studying out Acts. I haven't been studying out Re- Revelation. So, Re- so uh, Sheridan's like, I want, you to study, uh, I want you to study out Revelation. And he gave me plenty of time to do it. And he was like, you know, check it out. And, uh, and then this is what I want to preach. What, what I want you to preach on this uh, letter to Smyrna. And I'm always a little hesitant about that. It's like, that's not my conviction. You know, but it's really cool because God really used that to show me some things I needed to set, see. Like, he kind of said, all right, wait, get out of Acts for a second. Go into Revelation. Check this some stuff out. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, the other thing, uh, well, actually, let me, let me read Revelation 2 first. Let's read the, let's read the letter first, and then I want to tell you something about, about how I felt about Revelation. So, uh, Revelation chapter 2, verse 8. It says, to the angel, write to the, Jesus telling John, write to the angel of the church in Smyrna. The first and the last, the one who was dead and came to life, says, I know your affliction and poverty, yet you are rich. Uh, I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. Look. The devil is about to throw some of you into prison to test you, and you will have affliction for ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. Anyone who has an ear should listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. The victor will never be harmed by the second death. Okay, so there's the letter to the church in Smyrna. And so, so I asked Sheridan, I said, well, what's, my, what's the topic of this thing? What, am I, what, am I, what is the main topic? And he said... You want, to, you want to preach about what the Spirit is saying to the Staten Island Church. Now, he didn't tell me what the, what the Spirit was saying. Um, and I don't even know I'm going to have a breakfast tomorrow. So, I don't know. I was like, I don't know what the Spirit is saying to the Staten Island Church. I really didn't. But I, 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 along with studying this out, I, I, I kind of figured, okay, I, I kind of saw things in my life. Um, first off, though, let me tell you why I don't usually study out Revelation. There's two reasons why I don't usually study out Revelation. One is unspiritual, and one is really unspiritual. I'll tell you the unspiritual one first. Uh, the unspiritual reason is because there's a lot of imagery in Revelation. Now, I'm all for imagery. I love imagery. Like, you know, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, that's all imagery, because that's make-believe. But, it may, but it, the reason, the way imagery works is that it, 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 it takes these imaginary things, and it, but it gives you a real point. So, like, we all know Darth Vader is not real, but he represents evil. You know, Luke Skywalker represents that, like, you know, I want to do it, I'll do whatever it takes, no matter what's right. So, that's, we like those things, and I like that, too. But when I sit down to a Bible study, right, I want inspiration and instruction. Now, Revelation has inspiration and instruction, but I, you have to wade through the imagery. And I found out that I'm lazy. That's why I don't like to do it. I'm lazy. I want my fast food. I want to be able to drive to the window and get my food and, and go, to go. So I realized, wow, you know, that's kind of an unspiritual reason. But now here's the really unspiritual reason, because not all of Revelation is imagery, right? First two chapters or three chapters, we have letters, right? This is not imagery. This is Jesus actually talking to the churches. But do you, notice, have you ever notice something funny about the way he talks to the churches? It's very different than the way Paul talks, or you know, John or Peter. Paul will write Corinthians, right? 
And he'll have like, and he'll take 15 chapters to explain his what he's, you know, he's got different points, and he talks to people, certain people that have done certain things, and he talks to people like he talks to the church generally, but he also talks about specific things. Well, Jesus spends only about, you know, in this, what is it, Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 to 11, 8, 9, 10, 11. That's four, wait, 8, 9, 10, 8, 9, 10, 11. I can't do math up here, I'm sorry. Uh, four verses. He spends four verses talking to Smyrna, and he talks to them as if they're one person. Now, there's how many of us are here, like a hundred? Like, imagine Jesus came up here and he talked to us as if we were all one person. It doesn't sit well. You know, like, I don't know about that. You know, I don't, like, what if, like, we all got to church, and, you know, and I was on time, but, you know, there were people late, and he starts talking about who's late. Look, I like, you know, Jesus, I wasn't late, though, you know, and he talked, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. He talks to us all like we're one person. Why? Why does he do that? You know, I think it's because of unity. I think he wants us to be unified. Like, if you think about when he first, and I didn't, you know, I didn't put the scripture, but it's in John 17, I think. It's when he's talking about, when, when he's praying in the garden, right before he dies, he says, this was a memory scripture once, I and them and you and me, may they, brought, may they be brought to complete unity so that something about unity. Uh, I don't know. John 17, verse 20, I think. You can look it up. But the point is, and I just thought of this now, uh, he wants us to be unified. That was one of his dying thoughts, his dying words, his dying prayers. And so it would make sense when he wrote a letter, he's going to write the letter as if they're all one person. Now, I'm just telling you my sin here. And I, I'm, I, this past week, a lot of things have happened as I was trying to write this down and figure this out. A lot of things have happened in my life that have made me realize that I don't... It's not that I don't like unity... I don't like the work that has to be done in making thing, people unified, you know? And there were certain people in church that I labeled almost like, oh, that's a problem person. Can't really talk to them. You know, I, uh, I, and oh, just saying that out loud is so horrible. In the back of my mind, it sounds fine, you know? <laughs> it's one of those things that's like fine in the back of your mind, but when you, it comes out of your mouth, it just sounds so bad, you know? Um, I, uh, okay. There are some areas in my life where I, and, and, and there's some areas where I wouldn't mind being lumped in with everybody, right? Like contribution, things that we do well. But when it comes to certain things, you know, you know, think about it. Like, if, if I, hopefully you're, you can relate. Um, about two months ago, I had uh, somebody came to me and said, "Hey, this person said something that you said this. You know, if I tell you, I, I can't get any more specific than that, only because I don't want to, you know." Betray this person's confidence. But I have to tell you, this is awesome. Um, it took me two months to actually go to this person and, you know, say, okay, you know, what's this about? I heard that you said this. Didn't want to go to this person. I had really labeled this person in my head. And um, finally, and I talked about it, I was like, I gotta say this person. And people were just like, bro, just go and say, what you have. just ask this person what it is. So I did. Finally. And this person said something to me that I had done a while ago, and I was like, wow, this, they're right. I really did this. I did something. I excluded some people. And I didn't even realize, I didn't, re didn't really register that I had done it. And it was, I mean, I can't share 
the specifics, but it was bad. And it was really, really bad on my part. And as a leader, leading things like music ministries and Bible talks, you know, it was just something that makes me wonder, like, how, have I ever done, have I done more of this, you know? But, anyway, this person told me what happened, and then it was funny, because then later on in the week, I was thinking about it, and I'm like, wow. This person, these people that I had excluded, a couple of years later, had really helped me during a time I really needed help. They didn't bring up that thing that happened, didn't mention it to me. And so when I thought of it, I just broke down. And I was like, wow. I, I was praying. I was like, I can't believe that. That's so awesome. And so now I'm like, I'm, I, I'm, I'm so grateful to have gone to this person and said what I had said. Because I was dreading it. I was, and isn't that so funny how, like, that's, that's the way it should work. Like, you, you would think it would be so hard and it's going to be so difficult. And you're like, oh, I can't. I, if I talk to this person. And it would have been difficult if I tried to defend myself. It would have been really difficult because it would have been hard to defend myself because I was actually wrong. I was really wrong in the situation, you know. So when I, you know, I, I'm just really grateful. But in all this, in all this stuff that happened, and it wasn't really all a lot of stuff. It was just a conversation and me thinking about it later. But I realized I had given up on unity the way Jesus wants it. I had given up on being faithful that unity could happen. And so, with, with that, I kind of like excluded Revelation. I was like, I don't want to really take a look at that. This is all going on subconsciously, I guess. But, um, so now, when I look at Revelation, I look at these, these letters, I'm like, yes, this is cool. Like, we, we do want to be all united. Um, and, um, but that's going to take communication. You ever hear that phrase, uh, we win as a team, we lose as a team? In like those movies, like about the bad news bears or something, or I don't know, whatever those. And and, and you know, the coach is trying to explain it to him, and, and there's and there's guys on the team that have a problem with it. It's because they don't want to talk to the other guys that, that are having issues, or there's always some conflicts going on, and, and they don't want to resolve the conflicts. So they're like, oh man, like I don't want you know, he didn't do this, or she didn't do that, or this person didn't do this, and it's like, no, we got to sit there, we got to talk about it, and we got to get through it, so that yeah, so that when Jesus comes and he can, he's gonna. Um, He's going to communicate with us as we're one person. We can be like, oh, yeah, we know, you know, I know about so-and-so's problem. He knows about my problem. We tried to fix it. We're fixing it. We're getting through it. You know, and that's what we need to be. You know? Uh, and again, I haven't, I, I mean, here, here I just said, that's what we need to be. I really haven't figured all this stuff out. I mean, it's only been a week. But, um, but my heart is different in the terms of that I really want to, as opposed to giving up on certain people. You know, uh, let's look at. Um, let's see where am I going here? Oh yeah, okay. So it starts with who we think God is. Okay, let's look at Luke chapter six. I hope that wasn't too spewed. It was all you know. I don't. I'm trying to keep it directed. Um, Luke chapter six, verse forty-three. It says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So we, we did a Bible talk recently about 
about um, good fruit and good trees and bad fruit and bad trees. And we had the kids involved. And we had little post-it notes as apples. And we had a big tree. And, you know, there were things like patience and love were like good fruit on the good tree. And, like, anger and frustration were like bad fruits on the bad tree. And it was really fun. The kids were like, the kids were getting really good at it. They knew what was good and bad and everything. We had a great time. And then we looked at the scripture. But um, this all came from something that Sarah had watched on um, uh, some, somebody, somebody on YouTube. Some preacher on YouTube uh, made this uh, point called fruit to root. So if you see fruit in your life, you have to go back to its root. Is it a good tree or is it a bad tree? And that all stems on who do we think God is. So I'm going to have Sarah come up, and she's going to tell you more about it. Yeah. Okay. Um, I thought I thought he was going to tell you about the. There, there's a, a series of questions when you have when you see fruit in your life, you can see good fruit or see bad fruit, and um, when you can identify what the fruit is, and if it's a good fruit, you can take it all the way down and you see that it's truth that you're believing from God. God's truth to you. Um, but when you um, have a fruit that is bad in your life, um, when you trace it down, you can really trace it down to sin. Um, but really, all sin is unbelief in Jesus. It's some type of unbelief in Jesus. And um, it, it, the Spirit is definitely moving. <laughs> Because um, this week, I'm going to tell you about something that happened this week. And I'm literally going to be kind of reading from my quiet time yesterday. Um, I write my quiet times. Um, earlier in the week, Yahira called me um, and left a message for me. And she, she asked me if I would um, sing a song with her. I haven't even talked to her about this. Um, but she asked me if I would sing a song with her this Sunday, which is the song that she sang today. And um, she said, you know, I, I really feel like God wants me to sing this song. I feel like God wants you to be a part of it. Well, it made me angry. So angry. I was so mad. Yahira did nothing wrong. But it, it stirred up in me so many emotions because I was like, how could she ask me to sing with her? She knows how hard it is for me. To, um, to get up and sing in front of church. She knows how hard it is for me to sing a solo or to sing even background. Um, why would she do that? Why would she ask me that? Um, and so I realized that I've got anger. There's anger, and this is a fruit. And so I've been studying this out, and, and I decided, okay, I've got to really take this fruit in my life, this anger, this, I mean, just, like, what... Like, what's going on? Why, why would she do I was so mad. And I decided I'm going to trace this back to the root. And um, so um, I, just, I determined that my, the fruit is anger. And um, she knew how, how much I struggled with the fear. And so what I did, what was my, another part of the fruit was that I wanted to avoid her. I did not call her back. I did, I wanted to run away. Um, I didn't want to deal with this issue um, because this issue is a very deep-rooted issue in my life. Um, probably it's 28 years 
I'm 40 years old, so 28 years is when I was like around 12, between 12 and 15, and I think is when this started. Um, but it's a deep-rooted issue, and it's, it's, it's tangled in a web of Satan's lies to me. Um, and um, so my first inclination was just to say, get over it, Sarah. It, you're making this all about you, that you're just being prideful. Um, you need, you're being fearful. Um, you know... You know what you need to do. Just get up there. Just do it. And just change your behavior and, and move on. But I couldn't. And um, the thing is, sometimes we know the right answers. We know what we're supposed to do. And, and we can either choose to do it or choose not to do it. But I think that the thing is, is a lot of times I can choose my behavior, but it doesn't change my heart. And I think that this, this goes right along with what Dwight and Pam were saying in the communion message today. Um, and so, God doesn't want us to just change our behavior. He wants us to change our hearts. And um, so, usually, with this particular issue in my life, I stop there. I don't want to dig down deep. I don't want to figure out what's at the root of this. I don't, I'm just too afraid. It's, it's a paralyzing fear. And so I, I often will just stay in my sin. Let myself, um, that unbelief in Jesus, there's something that's, that's a disconnect. Uh, because I know I can't do it on my own. I literally cannot just get up and start singing on my own. I can't do it. Um, because it's too deep-rooted. And you know, the Bible says that there's, there's some sins that can only be um, gotten out, rooted out by prayer and fasting. That's one of those. Um, so usually this is where I stop. I'm not doing it. But I decided I'm, I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to deal with this right now. Um, because he, at this point, because Yahira had brought this to my attention, now I'm stuck. Because now I can't undo her request. She brought it to my attention. And now all these emotions are coming up, being brought to the surface. And I, I, I just, I can't just change because I know the right thing to do. It's just not happening for me. And so now I'm stuck because I'm worse off now than I was before she called. The sin is the same, but now it's just, it's just brought to the surface. And now I feel guilty, and I feel angry, and I feel fearful, and I want to run away, and I want to hide, and I know that some of this is repetitive, but this is how I am in my prayers and in my writing. Um, I want to run away, and I want to hide, and I don't, I don't want to know how to change because um, it, it's scary. Um, and so I know that my fear is, is rooted in pride. It's rooted in Satan's lies. It's because I've believed these lies for so long, that I've stayed stuck for so long, that I've been worshiping something other than Jesus in this area of my life for so long, that I need to stop. And I need to take the time to identify what is the root of this. And so I'm going to take you through the series of four questions that I ask myself, and I'm literally going to read this. So identifying my fruit is anger, fear, desire to run away, to hide, to avoid. 
These are not fruits of the Spirit. Um, and so I asked myself, the next thing I asked myself was, who, who am I? Um, who am I worshiping? Well, who am I in this moment? I'm not perfect. I cannot memorize words um, to music and convey emotion while I'm trying to remember everything all at the same time. I'm afraid of letting myself feel because I might lose it. I might start crying and not be able to sing, and that's not professional. Um, I don't want to take the time to practice so that I would feel confident. What if people don't like my voice? What if I'm flat or sharp? What if I do my best and my very best is not good enough? What if I'm out of tune? What if I sing off key? What if I'm not doing the correct rhythm? What if I make a fool of myself? So these are all the questions, all the things that came out of my heart when I'm thinking about who am I? And then I think about well, what's he done? This God that I've been worshiping, who is not the true God. But this God that I've been worshiping, what's he done? Well, he's lost control. He's made a mistake. He's not perfect. He's abandoned me when I'm most vulnerable. He's out to get me. He delights in humiliating me. He only loves me when I perform. His love is conditional based on my performance. He doesn't really care about me, only about what I can do for him. When I'm no longer useful, he will drop me. If I don't meet his expectations, he will let me go. If I don't perform to his expectations, he will not love me. And he, and I'm a disappointment to him. He's not proud of me, He's embarrassed by me. He gives up on me if I cannot meet his timetable. This is, this is the God who I am worshiping. This is not the true God. But this is the God who, who I am believing in. Who I am putting my hope and trust in in this area of my life. And then the next question I ask myself, well, so if, if this is what I'm believing, who is this God? Who is this God that I'm believing, but that, I'm, that I've been worshiping? Well, his love is conditional. It's based on my performance. He's out to get me. He wants to see me fail. He delights in keeping me low. He uses me. He doesn't care about me and how I feel. He does not protect me, especially emotionally. He's powerless to protect me. He abandons me when I'm no longer useful to him. And, and by that point, I've gotten down to the root of, of, of the, my sin and to the root of my unbelief and to the root of who I think, who is this God that I've been worshiping. And at this point is when I need to stop and say, but that's not who I believe God is. That's not one of my convictions about who I know God is to be from the Bible. Um, and at that point, 
when I say, but that's not who God is. That's the beginning of repentance. And I'm, I'm literally just in the beginning of repentance right now. Um, because I have to go back up the tree and, and, and believe who is that? Who is the true God? Um, what has He done for me? Well, who is God? He is powerful. He is faithful. You know, and we could go on and on, but I, and I need to go on and on about what, who is the true God? What has He done? He's powerful. He raised Jesus from the dead. You know, His Spirit. He gave me. He's with me. He gave me His Spirit to live inside me, to to guide me, and to 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 take care of me. You know, He loved me so much. He sent His Son to die for me. While I was still a sinner, you know, that he loved me that much. And um, I think that as I begin to speak the truth and speak the gospel to myself and that people speak it to me, um, that, you know, the Bible says that we need to confess um, our sins to one another and pray for each other um, because the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And, um, you know, I was, I was listening to Yahira's song today, What I Know. I was like, it is so amazing. Like, to me, um, I absolutely believe that God wanted me to, to, you to ask me that, you know, to ask me to sing with you. Um, I wasn't faithful enough yet, but I know that, that word, the words to that song, that song is what I know to be true. You know, is that God is faithful and He is um, going to take care of us and He is a God that I can trust. And um, so I just ask, I ask that you pray for me, that you pray that, that God will continue to show me who He is so that I can overcome this area of my life. Um, but I also, I just think it's pretty amazing to see how the Spirit is working. The things that, that Dwight and Pam said tie into this. The, um, the, the thing that happened with Yahira tie into what the Spirit is trying to say to the churches. Is, is Whatever the fruit is in your life, trace it down to the root and, and then use the Bible and use the Gospel of Jesus Christ to solidify your convictions in, in the truth and what is true. Yeah, the, the reason why I asked her to share that, she said she was funny because like she was telling me that this morning, and I was like, "You got to share this." You know, it's just it's amazing. Um, the reason why I had to share that is because there's well, disunity really comes from. Like, we're talking we're talking about unity, right? Disunity. Where does it come from? I mean, disunity is a bad fruit in, in and of itself, but it comes from all these other bad fruits that happen in our lives. So. It's not enough for me to just say to you, well, just change this fruit. Because like what Sarah said, it's hard to do that. You can go back and you can pray, but you're pray- you're, if, when this fruit is in your life, you're still praying to that same God at the root of it, which is not the right one. So it's like doing a math problem. You know, when you get the wrong answer, what do you have to do? You have to go all the way back to the beginning of the math problem and redo everything from the top. So you have to go back to who God is. You know, this week I, I talked to three different people about some things that they're having trouble changing in their lives. And I don't really... I, it's so funny. I, you know, we talk about discipling and everything. The role of a discipler has just completely changed in my head. The role of a discipling partner or somebody who's discipling somebody else, I just get... The discipling partner just gets front row seats to see what God does. 
You know what I'm saying? You, you, I used to feel all this pressure. Like, i got to change this person. i got to find the right scripture. I have to be pre-prepared in season, out of season. All that stuff is good. But really what you have to do, you just get front row seats to see somebody change. Um, you know, I, I just, I went back, I told these people, one guy had trouble with his marriage, one guy had trouble with com- being committed to some things, another guy, and I was like, you know what, I don't have any, any smart or wise things to say. <laughs> All I can tell you is you got to, I know, I know it sounds like a bad answer, but it's not. You've got to go back to who God is. You've got to read your Bible. You've got to fall in love with God. And then your prayers you, will be great because you're praying to the right God. But if you haven't defined God and you've defined him as this thing that he's not, your prayers aren't, I don't know, it's just, you're, you know what it used to be like for me? I would be praying, I felt like I was in a prison. Now, I don't know if you can relate to that. And maybe it's not. But I feel like I was in a prison. And God was just sitting there on the bunk next to me and we had the same orange jumpsuits on. And it was like, yeah, okay, I can't really do anything for you. But now... I pray to him, and I was in the and I'm like, I'm like, and he's like, the door was never locked. You could have left any time you wanted to. It's like, okay, and I knew that before, but I wanted to stay because I hadn't worked all this stuff out. It's really, really amazing, and it's freeing, and it's like, wow, you know, I, this is who God is, so I don't have to be something I'm not. I don't have to be Superman. You know, at work when I used to work at uh, when I used to work a full time job, I learned everything about the computer because the tech support was never they were never available. They were always working with somebody else, and so I learned how to fix the printer. I learned how to do this because I, I was like, I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to be Superman. And you know what? I mean, that's great and all, and it's fun, you know, to, to fix problems and everything. But I can't fix all the problems. You know, we got with this couple, and they were like. We had been getting them for years, and um, it was like, oh, it was like every time we got them years, it was just like they could, we couldn't change them. We couldn't change them. Imagine that. We couldn't do it. And then finally, we talked about prayer, and I gave them Bible studies to look at. I said, try to look at this. And, I looked, and literally, the next week, we're just, it, was a, it was a couple, it was like a, they were acting like newlyweds. They were poking each other and smiling. And we were like, Sarah, we're looking, we were across the table, like, Wait, who are these people? You guys, like, last month the cops came. You know, like, how did you, how did you get to this? And I asked them, I was like, how did you get to this point? And they were like, well, we were, we've been praying every day together. I was like, wow, that's what you've been doing? Yeah. And we, you know, we studied, we studied out those things that you, you gave us, but we've been praying. We decided we were going to pray. That's not something we even told them to do. They decided we were going to pray together every day. And it, it was a miracle. Like, I had never seen that before. You know? It was a miracle. And I was so grateful. I'm so grateful. I, I go, now they come over, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, tell us more about how you changed. You know, I, I, I want to know. Um, amen. I, I don't know where we are in time. I'm sorry. I'm, we are, I'm going to try to see if I can squeeze this next point in. We're gonna, I, I want to talk, I talked about unity. I want to talk about suffering, and I want to go back to Revelations 2. Let's go back to Revelations 2 and throw it up on the board there. <clears throat> oh. All right. To the church, to the angel of the church, I'm going to read this whole thing again. I'm sorry. To the angel of the church in Samaria, write. These are the words of him who is the first and last, who died and came to life. I know your afflictions, your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you your life as as your victor's crown. 
Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all. Excuse me, at all by the second death. Let me give you some background on Smyrna, okay? Smyrna was a city in, uh, in I guess it's Asia, and it was like it was the second biggest city to Ephesus. You know, Smyrna was like Ephesus's little brother, and they didn't like it. There was a lot of uh, there was a lot of quarreling and anger uh, among that. Among that, like there was, you know, we're better, you're better, whatever. There was an imperial cult going on, put forth by the, uh, I think it was Dom, uh, Nero, and then the emperor at this point is Dom, Domit, Domitin, Domit, I don't, Domitian, is that how you say it? Um, and he said, okay, everybody has to worship this pagan, heathen ritual thing. Now the Jews were exempt. Jews didn't have to. They were exempt from it. They didn't have to worship for whatever reason, political, religious, we don't know. I, at least I don't know. Um, so now there were some Christian. The Christians, right, were growing faster. Jews didn't like that. Now the Christ, they knew the Christians did not want to be part of this imperial cult. cult. You know, they were like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not, we're worshiping God. We're not worshiping, you know, the gods who you're worshiping. Well, this was a big source of contention, and the, the politicians, the imperial, the people in the imperial cult who, who were like leaders and whatever, they were like, how do we get? You know, we got to make an example of these guys. You know, we're probably going to have to kill some of them. Now, the Jews who were exempt and who were worshiping the same God decided they were tattletales. They were telling on the Christians. They were saying, oh, excuse me, you know, emperor, they're not, they're not worshiping your, God, your gods again. What are you going to do? And they would track them down. They would help them track them down. And kill him, and that's why, so that's why. When so now, there's also another point. Uh, these folks, um, Christians, they were they would they, among killing them. The other things that they would do was they would boycott their businesses, and they would try to run them out of business. And a lot of people during this time were like self-employed type of people, where they you know you had to invest in your own business and then work it and then grow. So when he says, uh, bring up that to the beginning of that again, go back to the. Can you do it? There you go. There you go. Uh, verse 9. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. They, now, this is, this is strong theory based on uh, historical facts. This is not actually, it's not 100%, but it's pretty, they think it's pretty accurate. So, the reason why Jesus says this is because of that, the fact that they were being boycotted. But that he says, you are rich, you are rich. In, and I love the way Jesus' perspective. See, Jesus' perspective is different from our own. We look at some things and we're like, ah, I'm really poor, I can't, I don't have this talent, I don't have this money, I don't have these finances, I don't have this, these brains or this education. But Jesus is like, wait, 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 I know you think you're poor, but you know what, you're rich. You're rich in these other areas, the areas that are important to me. And I know about the slander of those that, are, that, that, that say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. That's why we get the synagogue of Satan is because these Jews were tattletailing on them and trying to kill them. And he's like, that's not my synagogue. You know? He, he said, that's the synagogue of Satan, you know? They, they were unified in this idea of this bad fruits. I don't want to be unified in these bad fruits. And I've been. You know, that's the reason why I bring it up. Um, and then Jesus goes on to suffering. Uh, do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you. And you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful even to the point of death. You know, um, it's wrong to look for persecution. Don't want to go looking for it. Okay? 
But the fact of the matter is, is that men, common men out there, prefer darkness to light. And so that's why the, the, the response, the common response to Jesus' message is always going to be persecution for the most part. Um, there will be some, some who are going to respond by obeying, of course. And so that's why we, because of that fact, we need to be faithful no matter what. But we have to, nobody likes to look at this. I mean, I don't like to look at this. Um, there's going to be opposition. We look at 2, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Where it says, Any, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Why? Because there's nothing Satan hates more than unity. Unity is a great tool for him to get in there and, 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 and get these bad fruits growing. You know? That one bad fruit can really spread. It just That's just the way it works. And it has. You know? It has in me. It has in all of us. You know? But... If we decide, okay, yeah, we're going to be unified, then, then when you act like Jesus, when you are trying to be like Jesus, when Jesus is the one you're trying to emulate, persecution is going to come. Um, let's look at Luke chapter 6, verse 26. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. Now, guys, I'm an actor. Right? That's what I do. That's what I'm trained to do. And I love to get on stage. And I don't like to do a bad job. You know? <laughs> I don't like people to say boo. <laughs> I like people to say, yeah, it was very good. Oh, wow, you moved me in this way. You just said this. You were funny. You were doing this. You did that. I mean, you could tell even the way I act. You know? I'm, you know I, I, like, uh, I like it. I like it when everyone speaks well of me. And I remember when I was in the campus ministry and I was preaching Jesus and all of a sudden, but the thing that really halted me, the thing that stopped me from sharing my faith is when people started to talk bad about me. That really, that really made me feel bad. Like I remember walking around the cafeteria and I, and I felt like everyone was looking at me and, be, and like, but like not even just like making fun of me like, oh, look at, he's, look at his hair, it looks horrible. You know, but like, like, um, like just shaking their heads like, we're going to get you. <laughs> Like, people would come to my room and be like, this is why you're wrong. You know, I was like, whoa, I was just going to sleep. Um, that's, that's how crazy it was. And, it, and I backed off. I, I started to really back off. And I was like, look, 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 I'm not, I'm not saying that you're, no, you're wrong. I'm just saying that this is what I believe. You know, and it got really, got really, um, I just wanted to protect myself. Why? Because I wanted people to speak well of me. That was really it. I, I didn't want to be this weird, crazy person. I wanted to, I just was like, I just want to go back to being normal again. And I just want to, I, I love Jesus, but I don't want to create all this drama and this opposition. You know? But people have shown me, you know, if everyone speaks well of you, then you're probably a false prophet. And like, I don't want to, I, even now, I don't want to feel like that. I don't want that, to, I like when, you know, I just, but persecution's going to come if you follow Jesus. <clears throat> if we, if we, if we can get unified, oh my gosh. Satan is going to be like, oh, everybody, wait, hold on. Forget about what you're doing over there and over there. You got, we got to, we got to, we got to turn up the heat on Staten Island. They're unified. We can't have that. Get the persecution tools. Let's, let's make this happen. And it's scary. You know, if you're going to follow Jesus, you will be persecuted. If you're going to be unified, you will be persecuted. Um... False prophets told people what they wanted to hear and not what they needed to hear. Now, here's the cool thing. When we look, go back to Revelation. I'm sorry, I'm making you jump all around. The cool thing is that Jesus, 
is like a parent. He wants to take care of his children. He doesn't want to just be like, okay, get persecuted. Have fun, you know. He, he says in verse 10, do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you. And you will suffer persecution for 10 days. You know? Like, I think about when I put my kids in time out. It's like, alright, we're going to put them in time, but only for a couple of minutes. Why? Because we love them. We don't want to go, we don't want them to go crazy. We want to just, okay, here's, God is like, look, just 10 days you're going to be suffering. But at the end of the 10 days, I will, like, he still has, Satan can run amok, but God still has the leash. God is still in control. You know, for whatever reason, persecution has to happen. It's according to his great design. But God is careful. God is like, wait, 10 days, I control. I, I am still in control. And that's really comforting. You know, that's really comforting because, you know, you read about persecution. If you stop there and just say, okay, we're going to be accused of persecuted, it's scary. But if you go back and say, well, God is in control. He's in control of even the persecution. I don't know why he does what he does, but that's what he does. So we don't have to be fearful because Jesus is with us. We can stand up for what's right for his sake and we're taken care of. Be faithful unto death, he says. No one is going to die for Jesus if they're not living for him. You know what I'm saying? If you think, well, when the time comes, like I may not be doing, I may, I may not be living like Jesus wants me to live right now, but when the time comes, I'm going to step up to the plate, to the plate, to the plate, to the plate. I'm going to step up to the plate, I'm going to do what's right. Well, if you're not living like him now, what makes you think that? I don't think I, I could do it. We have to do this on a daily basis if we're going to stand firm with the, for the long haul. Why? Because if you don't have your quiet time, you're going to be looked down on? No. Why? Because if you don't have your quiet time, you don't pray, you're not a Christian? No. If you don't have, if you don't have your quiet time, you can't define who God is. If you don't read your Bible, you, you just can't, you can't create that root. So what's going to happen? The fruit? Who knows what you're going to get? Nothing good. You know? Nothing good is going to come out of it. No one, not one of us can endure suffering on our own power. But God, Jesus, God will give us what we need to take a stand so we can be faithful and united. I'm going to say that again. No, not one of us can endure suffering on our own power. Don't even try. But he will give us what we need to take a stand so that we can be faithful and unified. The only, I, have no, I have no wisdom for you. I have no practicals. I have no tricks. I have no trades. I have only one thing that you can do. Be close to God. Read your Bible and pray. Amen.